Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast, a podcast where we interview faculty, students, staff, and alums of the Beyond Boundaries series of courses and the Beyond Boundaries program at Washington University in St. Louis. In this podcast, we aim to reach across the digital divide and highlight engaging stories told by Beyond Boundaries faculty and students at WashU and their ideas for future work and play. We hope to give you a window into what Beyond Boundaries is, featuring the next generation of interdisciplinary thinkers and collaborators whose aim is to leverage curiosity across disciplines in an effort to solve some of the most complex and challenging problems we face in the world today. My name is Rob Morgan, and I am the director of the Beyond Boundaries program at WashU and a teaching professor in the area of design and the performing arts department. Enjoy the show. My guest today on the Beyond Boundaries podcast is Sparkle Whitaker. Sparkle Whitaker is a brand new alum of Washington University in St. Louis, just graduated last spring. Um, she is a, a driven interdisciplinary designer drawn to work that is human-centered and focused on developing creative solutions to improve systems of inequity. She brings an innovative and entrepreneurial mindset that is fueled by her passion for design thinking and research. She's a problem solver with a design thinking approach that involves learning and collaborating from as many industry, industries and people as possible while weaving in personal interests such as fashion, sustainability. Uh, so that's one word, two words, should I say, but the same thing, fashion, sustainability, design, education, and business. Sparkle was the one of two students that uh, collaborated on our brand new initiative in Beyond Boundaries called Creative Collaborations. She and a partner in a different division, we'll talk about in a moment, um, collaborated together on creative collaborations uh, and just presented last May um, their findings or their project for that. Um, and since then, I've been wanting to chat with Sparkle on the podcast and talk about maybe uh, just about everything about her reflections on being a WashU student. Uh, she was also a proud uh, residential, residential assistant. Is that what RA stands for? I think. <laughs> um, I think advisor. Advisor, residential advisor, excuse mm -hmm. me, residential, of course, it wouldn't be assistant, residential advisor in Dardic, which is where all the Beyond Boundaries students uh, are housed in their first year. But Sparkle Whitaker, welcome to the BB podcast. Hi, thanks for welcoming me, Rob. Absolutely. So give me a picture of where you are now. Where in the world are um, you? So right now I'm back home in Chicago. Uh, I'm downtown. And currently, I, I live by a firehouse, so I'm probably going to move from where I am just for the chance that they might go off making noises. But I'm, I don't know, I'm in this weird place where I don't have a lot of work anymore, uh, which is weird for a Washington student not to have. Uh, but I'm trying to force myself to enjoy it because it's probably the only break I'll get in a while before I start work and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about the firehouse. I think that adds sort of audio interest to the podcast. We've had a... We did an interview of Julie Aronson, who's a student uh, now rising junior in the program. She was on a, a, a sort of a, a nature conservancy, kind of a, 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 a basically helping take care of farm animals. And we heard chickens in the background. <laughs> and she's that's like, so, <laughs> so sorry for the chickens. I'm like, no, no, that's really cool. It makes the, makes the podcast that much more interesting for people. So um, nice. But yeah, so uh, it's so great to chat with you. And, and I was so, so impressed with your creative collaborations project that you did with your, your pal, Danielle Branch. Can you talk a little bit um, about that, about that project? 
Yeah, so for our Creative Collaborations project, it was a book entitled Waste No Space Theory. And it focused on fashion design, but looking at it from a lens of geometry. And so I got the idea of the book from my experience working with K through 12 students in math. Um, over my time at WashU, I like worked with college prep and I worked at a local charter school um, teaching students like geometry, but also just like general math learnings. And I just noticed a lot of times students kind of lose interest in math when they don't see how they can apply it to something realistic or at least creative. So I got this idea about how much I rely on geometry when it comes to pattern making and design for fashion. So I wanted to make something that might excite other students who are younger than me to like really engage with it. Um, so the thought of the book came from that, just wanting to make something that made geometry seem more tangible for people outside of it just being for textbook learning or comprehension. Um, and Danielle Branch, who's my collaborator in the project, she came in because I wanted the book to be a, a little bit more dual than it just being a bunch of like geometry terms and just a bunch of uh, tangents about fashion design, which may be like very overwhelming when you don't understand it. I wanted to also be in another language and um, being her friend for the last, last four years, she's like super passionate about French. And I was just like, fashion and French go together really well. I mean, there's a reason everyone wants to go to Paris for it. So I thought it would be really cool to kind of have this chance to make the book something that other people could also engage with from another um, side of the table and not just something that people who understand or can read English can engage with. Um, but yeah, that was essentially the book. Uh, there's a lot more to it. Um, the main thing about it was like, I wanted to create a book that taught zero waste pattern making since that's something that's not as um, expanded upon in the industry. It's a lot more wasteful the way we make clothes these days. So I wanted to make something that kind of was aiming towards the future of how, how I hope fashion goes. I love that. I love that. Uh, the idea there that, that what you're teaching, I, I, going back to my own days, you know, learning geometry, I remember not seeing an end point or any kind of results mm -hmm. of this learning and what you're doing with this project is showing them, okay, if you learn this skill, you can make something with it. <laughs> and I think that's, mm -hmm. it just makes it so much more visceral and tangible to a student. Um, I just was so impressed with the proposal when it came in. I was, I think I, Simone, my assistant can vouch for this. Mm -hmm. I think I was in the next room and I was like, yes, we have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought it was so unique and interesting. And um, honestly, just giving, paying it forward to your younger self. Did you, did you think about that when you were, I guess, uh, working on the project, thinking about your younger, younger self learning geometry for the first time? I was when I think I was taking geometry when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, that was my favorite subject in math. Like I, I was good at the other topics, but geometry, there was something about 3D shapes and like coming up with proofs and stuff that really sparked my interest. Um, and I was wishing like, man, I wish I had a book like this that would have applied it to fashion immediately. Yeah. Um, I didn't make the connection until probably like towards the beginning of college, but it was nice once I finally did connect those dots. Yeah, yeah. I often on the information sessions for the program, just actually just last night, in fact, um, I talk about T-shaped thinking and how you and I have multiple vertical parts of our T's, right? We have we have deep analytical um, study in, in a lot of different areas, and it's connecting those. That's the that only you, I think, who does all of that can do. So, if you think of 
every student walking around Washington University as having like multiple, maybe four or five or six vertical parts of their T, but there's only, only they can make the connections. I think about, you know, a high school student perhaps uh, walking around taking a geometry class and then going into, let's say, some sort of home ec class where they are learning pattern making and maybe never mm -hmm. making that connection, but it's so important to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I was just so impressed with the project and your presentation that you and Danielle did um, back in, I want to say late May, it was right before commencement. <laughs> so mm -hmm. a relatively busy time for you, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, so we many appreciate it. Parts. Yeah, we really appreciate you doing that. And um, I, I just was, uh, we've got it all on video. I need to go ahead and edit that video down, but um, and share that with a wider audience. But it was so impressive. I'll probably link to it when it comes to this podcast. Um, so okay. tell me about some other kind of uh, activities or engagements you had as a student at WashU, maybe some reflections of your time at WashU now that you're sort of on the other side of it. Yeah, uh, immediately one of my favorite memories or experiences being at WashU was being a part of Black Anthology. Um, and so for those who don't know, Black Anthology was a what well, still is there and say was, but at least for me, it was a chance to like work with a bunch of other undergrads and we put on a production every year. Um, a student wrote the play and uh, essentially it talked about a different problem or issue that was going on in the black community. And so my first year doing it, I was a sophomore at WashU. So portion of it, it was in person. Well, no, it was fully in person actually because <laughs> it happened in February. Um, but after, I think that was the last Black Anthology that was like in person. Yeah. Um, but I served as a costume designer and a prop manager. And it was my first time working in theater. Um, and at that, like making clothes for people um, to this extent. And so I, there were at least like 60 people that I had to dress, including dancers. Um, it was just a really cool experience. I really liked the responsibility that came with it. Uh, and as well as just like the creativity and the chance to really make these characters based on what they were wearing um yeah the process that i took i like i worked with the director the choreographer everyone like i just want to know what were the personalities like of the characters because that really helped inform me how to dress people um especially like i like work with clothes i think clothes really help put us in character in real life so i wanted it to sort of be the same situation on stage yeah. um and i did that two years black anthology and then my senior yeah. year i just took a hiatus from it Mm -hmm. um and i did other stuff i was an ra for two years yeah uh i love but, i love working with students so that's part of yeah. that but. i have to tell you about black anthology i don't i have not talked to you about this since that night but um it, it, setting the scene so to speak um you know mm -hmm. we were all very isolated we were all just longing for i think connection and the Black Anthology show uh, premiered, if I'm not mistaken, the one I saw that you designed um, was on Vimeo. And, and there was, mm -hmm. you know, it all, everyone logged in at the right time. And, and um, what I know my colleagues in the performing arts department would be horrified to hear me say this, but I thought it was added a whole nother layer to have the live chat <laughs> in addition to the oh, show. It, <laughs> it was great. And Desmond- it was. Uh, 
Desmond Young, who is in Beyond Boundaries, was in the show. And I remember he would set foot mm -hmm. on stage and they'd say, oh, he people, the chat would just light up with people guessing as to what sign, zodiac sign, his character was. <laughs> <laughs> And um, oh, so, but what was nice about it, Sparkle, and that designers uh, like you and I, honestly, theater designers, um, don't get is like real time um, reaction to our work. And so people mm -hmm. would write in the chat, shout out to Sparkle's costumes, aren't they amazing? You know, and people were like, yes. And it was just, it was so great to see you and your creative team, just uh, and the actors, everyone involved, celebrated but in real mm -hmm. time, it wasn't like it was a review in a newspaper, like, you know, three days after the show, it was, yeah, it was wonderful, wonderful to see. Yeah, it was a really unique experience. I, I really liked having the chat. Um, I had that chat going with me on, then I also had group chats with friends and it was just, it was so many moving parts. I don't think I watched the show as much. I was just so excited to like see people's reactions and stuff like that. Yeah, because um, you do miss that when you're backstage. You don't see people reacting right. to everything coming out. So right, right, right. Yeah. I, I, it was just so great to see designers. You know, being a designer myself, to see them celebrated for the hard work that they put into it. So, um, really fantastic. You were, uh, you were an RA in Dardic, um, on floors one and two. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, were you a Wusa? They call it before that, or no? I uh, know I wasn't a WUSA before that. Um, I I actually worked with college prep, which probably was like my premise to being an RA because I kind of lived on campus during the summer with um, some high school students that were taking courses. I see. I so, see. Yeah. 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 You were also in uh, Design for America. I was. I yeah. was. I I was in DSA my first year, and we collaborated with an uh, organization called Launch Code in St. Louis. They, it's a free coding camp that they give to well to anyone, but it was mostly like working adults who were in the courses, um, and they wanted us to come up with a way to keep them enrolled because a lot of people were dropping out because of scheduling conflicts and other things like that. Yeah. Um, but I really like DFA. That introduced me to the whole human-centered design concept and making solutions for people um, so that they can enjoy different experiences or like have access to different resources. Yeah. Um, I still have some of my old worksheets from being a DSA uh, yeah. studio member. So, yeah. Yeah. I honestly think that, well, that student group and others, of course, add a level, or should I say a layer to your college experience that um, should not go unnoticed. You know, often mm -hmm. um, students are like, well, how can I, let's say, work in performing arts and not, you know, but I don't have room in my schedule. Um, I just had a conversation with a student today about this and uh I'm like, well, why don't you join a student group? There's three student groups related to theater. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, there's Black Anthology, as you pointed out. There's all kinds of ways to to sort of in an extracurricular way um, kind of scratch that itch, if that makes sense. But, yeah. Um, uh, it's nice to hear that you were involved in DFA. I, I'm a I'm not good at it, but I'm the faculty advisor for it, <laughs> and um, <laughs> which usually means I get emails from students going, can you fill out this form and say you'll do this again next year? <laughs> it's usually what, what happens, but, um, but I'm, I, I, I feel strongly about the design thinking and human-centered design and the type of work that you all do in that, in that group. Um, mm -hmm. tell me a little about, about your sort of, uh, your professional work. Uh, there's something called the Onyx label. Can you tell us about, about that? 
Yeah, so the Onyx label is my personal fashion business that I started. I launched it back during uh, spring of my sophomore year. It was under a different name at the time, but it's Onyx label now. Um, but essentially, I like to bring fashion to the world. So I design my own fabrics. A lot of it's hand, hand-drawn work that I'll do and eventually digitize it. I make the fabrics. They're usually sustainable materials. Just me trying to like stick to that alignment with my values. And then I, I work a lot with asymmetry when I design pieces. Um, I have some zero waste silhouettes on my website. And re- most recently, I actually showed my pieces at Chicago Fashion Week um, May wow. 1st this year. So that's amazing. I, was really I didn't excited even know that. that. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. How did that go? It went really well. It was actually the busiest weekend of my life. I will say this year, <laughs> not even thinking about commencement, because I had another fashion show at WashU. The oh. annual one was the night before. Um, oh oh so gosh. I went to that one. I had two pieces in that show for the Made to Model organization. Yep. Um, we were making formal pieces for um, students with different abilities. And so we had that show at 7 p.m. I actually didn't see my pieces because of just the way ticketing worked. But I was there for that. And then I took the train at 4 a.m. to get to Chicago oh to gosh. see my pieces walk here. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Um, wow. I always like the backstage for fashion shows just because I get to see all the chaos with the models and I got to see the makeup and the hair. Um, and then I actually opened the final show, which was also a big deal. So I was excited that I got to be a part of that yeah. during the week. Wow. Yeah. Well, what a whirlwind tour you were on there. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully you had yeah. four years to prepare as a WashU student when it comes to burning the yeah. candle at both ends. Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, just incredible. I had I didn't even know that uh, that you had you know essentially two shows in like a twenty four hour period. <laughs> um, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, I saw some of the made to model work on um, I believe it was Instagram that the Sam Fox School uh, put out there. I believe we follow Washu Fashion Beyond Boundaries does, and mm-hmm. I saw it there. Some great, great work you all did for that. What a great um, what a great application of what you've learned to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, um, kind of serve others, um, in a sense that, that I, I believe, and I'd love your take on this, actually, what am I talking about? Uh, I would love your take on how fashion affects the psyche, how fashion can elevate the way a person feels about Ooh. themselves or about their, you know, um, about it's sort of self-confidence perhaps. Yeah. That was a great question. Uh, immediately, one of the um, like things that comes to mind, because I, I had a friend who was headed to an exam. And I think, I think it was a random, so, not sociology, psychology course, but he was dressed up in a suit. And I just stopped and asked, why was he dressed up? And he said, like, when you dress good, you feel good. You like wear whatever your power pose clothing would be. Um, and I agree deeply with that. Just like what you wear really helps personify like whatever attitude you'll have about yourself or like how you feel when you walk out in the world at least um and so for some people their power clothes might be like athleisure maybe you are a gym rat I've recently become one um I love to wear athletic clothes most of the time or you might be somebody who loves to wear suits or like formal wear a lot of time um so those nights when you have like galas and other events are like your go-to night um so yeah I just think fashion 
it like gives people a chance to kind of dress up what they feel on the inside a lot of times. And again, it's hard for people to really tell because it's for everyone. It's different, whatever you consider to be your power clothing or power armor, I might call it, but yeah. I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's sort of really, I think, interesting mind and body connection that what you're wearing affects Mm -hmm. how you feel about yourself, about where the environment you're stepping into. I hear so often from actors on stage and keep in mind, I'm not a costume designer. I'm a set designer. So I'm, I'm worried more about Mm -hmm. the shell that's around them, but, um, you know, having doing what I do, I never meet other set designers. I primarily know hundreds of costume designers and lighting designers and sound designers, Mm -hmm. but you know, you never need two set designers on the show, but I've heard uh, actors say, you know, like from all the work they've done in rehearsal to the moment they get on stage, it's, it's that first dress where they feel like they have completed the character in a sense it's Mm -hmm. they are they have become that person whether it's wearing a corset or wearing you know heels or boots or carrying a sword (laughs) whatever it might be you know it it just completes it it completes the the sort of uh transformation if you want to think of it that way to the character they're playing absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. but um it's such a powerful i think medium um, that we don't take for, I, perhaps some take for granted. I certainly don't. I know you don't either, but um, um, so this is great. So what's, uh, what's coming up for you? What are you working on next? Um, so currently I actually start my official full-time job in a couple of weeks. So in the meantime, I've just been honestly revisiting the Waste No Space Theory book just to keep working at it. Cause it's been, you know, on my mind, but also I've been working on a couple commission projects for people. Uh, I think I'm making a dress and a jumpsuit. I, I like when people like want me to make them something one, because we were just talking about it. Like it's something that's supposed to make them feel good. I think yep. one of the clients is for her birthday is this year. So she's Aww. having me make her a couple outfits. Um, nice. And then someone else that is actually one of my grandmother's clients. My grandmother taught me how to sew. Oh, so, that's so nice. a lot of, yeah, a lot of people who work with her, they know that I do stuff now. So they'll sometimes be like, you know, Miss Rosie, will you just let Sparkle make it? And I usually like to because I know it takes extra work off of her. Um, and the great. more practice I get, the better. So oh. I have a couple of those pieces. And currently, I'm actually a manager at a place called Bicycle Spin Art. It's up north in Chicago. Oh. Um, it's, it's really wacky, but a really cool place. You get on a bicycle you ride it and it has like an extra wheel that spins a canvas and you throw paint at it. Well, yeah, I have to send you the link for it, but it's like, it started in Columbus two months ago and the owner came here, opened up the Chicago location on the 23rd of June. Oh, Um, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, It's a fun place. A lot of families come and stuff. How does it work again? So you ride a bike and then that generates something else? Yeah, so all the bicycles are Frankenstein together. Um, <laughs> we found somebody on Craigslist that made them. But you get on the bicycle, and it's like the normal way, like a stationary bike. Sure. But in addition to the two wheels that you have, you have another one that's sitting um, horizontally on top of the other wheel on the front. So yeah. as you ride the bicycle, it spins that one. Um, and then we have, like, these nails that hold canvases down and you put on suit goggles everything because it gets really messy (laughs) and you have a partner who has these paint bottles that are just like the condiment bottles and they're like spraying paint on it as you ride it really fast oh Um, i see cool yeah 
Yeah, it gets everywhere, but it's really fun. Nice. Um, Pe- people my yeah. age will remember the spirograph. It was like uh, you stuck your pencil in. Does this ring a bell at all? <laughs> you stuck a <laughs> you stuck a colored pencil in uh, basically tiny holes, and you spun it on a little plastic wheel, and it would make these amazing like flower shapes and things. It sounds a little well, bit no. a little bit like that. But I'm dating myself now. For my older listeners. Um, there only have four listeners, by the way, Sparkle. So really, this that's the extent of our audience. But um, the uh, <laughs> the older four of the four listeners will know what I'm talking about. But this sounds so cool. I I want to get up to Chicago and try this out. Um, it sounds pretty. Yeah, interesting. it's really really fun. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I'm yeah. just so I'm just so honestly, when students um, depart, wash you. I I'm the only one that feels like I'm getting older because all my students are roughly the same age, you know, like I, I teach the class mm-hmm. again and it's all first year students. I teach the class again and it's all first year students. This is the creativity class, but you know, to see students like yourself kind of grow a mature while in sc- in college and, and really just have such a bright future. I, it just makes my heart smile. I'm just so happy for you and all that you're, all that you're doing and, um, uh, I'm so, I'm also kind of, I love the fact that you learned to sew from your grandmother. Um, so how yeah. young, how young were you when she first taught you? I was six. Oh my so, god! Yeah. It's been, what is the math? I don't know. Seven. <laughs> I actually don't want to do the math for it, but oh, it's, been a, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was one of those things because it's something her mother taught her. Um, so she'd like pass it down to me. I got my first machine when I was around, uh, 10 years old, but I, yeah, I started taking it serious in high school because sewing takes a lot of patience. So you can imagine six year old me, like not really wanting to learn it, but doing it. Cause I felt like this seems kind of cool making my own clothes, but the patience that it takes is unmatched. Yeah. 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 I think that's amazing. So, so can you, uh, this is a strange question, but did you know how to sew before you knew how to tie your own shoes? I don't oh, know. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know when someone yeah. learns how to tie shoes. I, I remember I struggled <laughs> with it. I mean, I, I say I learned after, because I, I know this shoe tying trick that we taught, like, um, I've used my niece and nephews because it's like a really quick little hack, but yeah. I feel like sewing came afterwards. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really your question. It is a good, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I was just curious because I, I think it's such a, you know, a sewing and, and painting and any kind of artistic medium is kind of a craft that's passed down, in your case, passed down directly from, from your grandma. You said Rosie? Yeah. Is she still with us? Is Rosie still around? She is. Good. Well, shout out on the podcast to, to Grandma Rosie. <laughs> yeah, that's the grandma. She's the best. I, <laughs> I still would call her when I'd be at school messing up on projects to get help. Like I, her, her go-to way to teach me something is to draw it out. Like I know people love FaceTime and videos, but like if she draws me a picture, I understand completely where I went wrong. So oh, nice. I, I love that that's her superpower. So wait, how did so. you do that remotely with grandma? Like, did you, uh, did you zoom together and does she draw a picture and hold it up to the camera? How does that work? Uh, she sent me a she sent me a text message with a picture of it often pretty much yeah I love it I love it well shout out to grandma Rosie and um you should be very very proud of Sparkle Whitaker I'm sure granddaughter 
Um, what else, Sparkle? Anything else you want to talk about or or kind of impart to um, to WashU students? I, I want to end with one question we always ask our guests, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to to mention something, anything else you'd like. Um, I guess like a little piece of wisdom. Yeah, I, I think I'm here at it. Is like try everything that like sparks your interest at WashU, yeah. especially like the clubs that. Um, I know sometimes I was always wondering, like, oh, if I join this, I don't know anyone here. Like, will I make friends or things like that? And I think the main thing is, like, you're going someplace that interests you, so you're going to meet people who share some of those values with you, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, like, try everything out, whether that's being an RA or doing Design for America. I think they're just – DFA is really cool because there's so many people from all the disciplines. It's not just people in Fox or yeah. um, engineering. Like, it's all types of people in it. Um, or just like joining a theater group, whether that's to act or be behind the scenes or dance. Um, I like encourage people to just take advantage of it because there are no clubs in real life. I realize that now <laughs> or there are, but it's mostly Facebook groups and stuff that you have to kind of find, but yeah. you have it all at your hands at WashU, which is really, really nice and is a blessing. Yeah, so. over 400 student groups, if I'm not mistaken, a ton of student groups. Yeah. And I like to joke so only many. half of only half of those are acapella. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just remembered now something else I did want to mention. What's, yeah, go ahead. Um, the student group that I actually started before I left WashU, um, Sam Fox School Black Student Network, we, we were completely virtual during 2020 school year, mm -hmm. um, but now we're in person. But I just wanted to plug it for anyone that's like looking for a student group, um, specifically like any students who might identify as Black. We do a lot of events with alum and stuff like that. And you'd just be surprised how many cool alum we have in fashion or um, technology and just other places that have left WashU. So definitely look for any programs, things like that. And it's open to everybody. So That's great. Yeah. That's great. I'm, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think they're just, I mean, your wisdom, I think, is so, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do all those things. But it's another to sort of to, I guess, get over whatever fear you might have of meeting new people and that type of thing and just do it, just do it. And you'll, mm -hmm. I think, be pleasantly surprised at the, at the, the, the kind of cohort of people you'll join and the friends for life that you'll make in the mm -hmm. process. So, very, very cool. I, my question, you, I, you maybe have already answered it. The question we ask all the guests is what, maybe it's a little different. Um, let's see, let's see what you think. Um, what advice, if you could go back in time to, what was your first year? Was it, uh, let's see, 2018? 2018. So fall of 2018, go back in the time machine. Um, and if you had an opportunity to whisper in Sparkle Whitaker's ear, um, and give her some advice at that time, at that moment, what would you tell her? Mm. Back fall <laughs> 2018, my yeah. first immediate thought, which I think is more so a joke, is to sleep, sleep. Um, <laughs> as much as you could. I, I, like I think there were some, like, I'm not encouraging anyone to pull on nighters, but there were reasons to pull on nighters that were worth it as mm. far as, like, finishing a goal or a project, but Right. Um, I think something I would have told myself then was walk, walk in like you own the place, even if you like don't pay any rent yet, um, <laughs> specifically for like clubs and things like that, where you may have been a newbie to the area. Mm -hmm. um, just like walk in with a certain confidence and like 
no one will turn you around. No one, like, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake, but everybody does. Yeah. Um, that's just a part of being human. I wow. think there are a lot of, like, rooms that I walked in at WashU, and I felt like I didn't have the experience for it until I finally, like, started working on it. And I was like, oh, I actually do understand. This is not rocket science. Right. Um, why did I come in with that extra fear? So I think give yourself the benefit of the doubt that you can do the work before you, like, tell yourself that you can't do it. Wow. Would be the advice I would give. I love that. I love that advice. It's it's wisdom beyond your years, Sparkle. I know you're you're like 22, right, or something in that range. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's at least 50 year old wisdom <laughs> you're giving out. So, uh, speaking as a 51 year old, I still I still think I need to hear that. I think I need to hear the wisdom of, you know, walking into a space and um and just seeing how it goes. Um, it's just important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important for all WashU students to know that that the journey is, is really why you do it. You know, it's not yeah. sure getting A's is good and all that stuff. And as you said, it's sometimes pulling an all nighter is warranted. Like for example, if you have two fashion shows in the span of 24 hours, yeah. <laughs> you, I think that you, was my third all nighter I ever pulled. Honestly, I'll call it. Oh, is that right? Nice. Yeah. How appropriate that it was like in your final week of, of your, your time at WashU was mm-hmm. back, back to back fashion shows. Um, well, I hope, uh, sparkle that when you're a big shot that you don't forget about us and that you, um, you try to maybe do another, we'll do another podcast when you're a successful fashion designer and, um, you know, everyone knows your name. Um, but, uh, it's been delightful. It's been delightful to chat with you. And I've always, um, I've been a big sparkle Whitaker fan since you, uh, since I first met you. Um, so, uh, it's great to, to kind of share some stories on the podcast and, and, uh, hopefully provide some inspiration for, um, students to not only take advantage of all WashU has to offer, but mm-hmm. specifically, I'm a little biased, the creative collaborations initiative. <laughs> yeah. I hope students, uh, can do this creative, creative collaborations initiative, um, by simply writing a proposal, um, and submitting that and it, they just need to identify someone else in a different division, another student in a different division and, um, mm-hmm. and just what do you got to lose, you know, and these are funded opportunities. So students have money to, in your case, uh, create the, the book um, that you created, which was great. The name of that book again was Waste No Space Theory. Waste No Space. That's right. Waste No Space, um, which is a brilliant book um, and um, really well put together. So um, it's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for spending time uh, on the podcast on a very Thanks perhaps so busy for summer for me. you. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, we we should have done this a long time ago, but I'm glad to capture it on your, uh, you know, so your first year outside of WashU after graduation. Congrats on on graduating from WashU. Thanks so much. This is really fun, Rob. Thank you for inviting me on and. Um, to all the listeners, thanks for listening. And yeah. I do hope that people apply for creative collaborations. It's a really, really good opportunity. Great. Well, thank you so much for that. Have a good rest of your night, Sparkle. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.